The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. I went back and listened to Pastor Keith's message, and he did a great job uh, going through the third chapter of the book of 1 Timothy. And today we're going to continue in that series through going through the fourth chapter. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, 1 Timothy Chapter 4, I'm going to be teaching a message this morning that I've titled, Clinging Tightly to Truth. So if you're a note taker, write that down, Clinging Tightly to Truth. You can also follow along on YouVersion. If you have that YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone or your tablet, you can go and search for a live event in your area and it should pop up. You should be able to see it there and follow along in the notes and make notes of your own. So make sure you utilize that tool if you so desire, clinging tightly to the truth. This message is near and dear to my heart because I'm very passionate about the truth. Um, I know that some of you have heard stories of different things I was uh, raised up to believe, and I was recently asked a great question. Someone said, how did you come to know the truth of God's Word from the distortion or the version of truth that you grew up believing because the person was telling me, I've heard you share that before multiple times to the church that you grew up believing a certain way and being taught a certain way, but how did you make that transition? What happened? I thought, I don't think anyone's ever really asked me that question before. What a, what a great question. So as I began to think about it, the answer actually came pretty natural and pretty easy as I began to think about how I transitioned out of a distorted type of belief system that I grew up with, where there were some elements of truth. I don't want to throw it all out, but there were some, some gross distortions as well, and some things that were just pure bad belief and wrong thinking. And how did I transition out of that into seeing God's Word a lot more clearly and walking away from some of those things? And the answer was simply, I was dissatisfied with the things that I were told that were true that just simply didn't work. And I was at a place of dissatisfaction in my life because I lived most of my life until the time I was about 18 years old wondering when I was going to be good enough. And that was really where my headspace was. And that was the challenge that I lived with for the majority of my young faith was when am I going to be good enough? When am I going to have enough faith? When am I going to pray enough? When am I going to be able to read the Bible enough and quote enough scripture and speak the word enough? When am I going to be able to be moral enough and have enough integrity? When am I going to do enough charitable acts? When am I going to serve people enough? And everything in my life up until that point had always become about enough. And I always felt like I was failing. I always felt like I wasn't measuring up. And I looked at everyone else in my life as spiritual leaders that I saw in my life as these people who had all these great accomplishments and these people who were spiritual giants and spiritual superstars. And I looked at those people almost in a way of intimidation to where I felt like I'll never be as spiritual or have enough faith as so-and-so because I see what God's doing in their life and I never felt like I measured up. And I just got really tired of trying and trying and trying and trying to measure up but yet every time I would try it, just I always felt defeated, always felt like a failure. And so, you know, how my entire journey up until that point was about striving to become good enough. And I, I, I wanted to see in my life God move. And I was tired. This is a, a big piece of it, too. I was tired of feeling like 
I was faking Christianity. I was tired of feeling like I was trying to do the things I saw other people do in order to achieve what I thought they had achieved. And so I was doing some of the same things, parroting some of the same things that I had saw other people do, but yet I was still feeling defeated. I was still feeling dissatisfied. I was still feeling like something was missing, and so I was just trying and, and searching and always just felt like I wasn't good enough, so I just tried to kind of fake it till I made it. Make it, that's not a good phrase. But huh, until I mook it, you know, <laughs> past tense. But I was just trying to, you know, just, just fit in. I was trying to be accepted by my peers. I was trying to appear spiritual to those people because I just wasn't seeing the stuff happen that I was told was supposed to happen when I did the things they told me to do. And so I had to come to a decision point in my life. Either God is real or God's not. And the way I grew up believing, the way that Scripture was taught, we had to make a lot of excuses for God. I mean a lot. We had to make a ton of excuses for God. When He didn't do something for us the way that we were taught He was supposed to do it for us, it always fell back on us and the fact that we weren't good enough. And that's what it always fell back on. And because I always felt like it was always my fault, it was you know something lacking in me, the reason that I was sick or the reason that I, you know, wasn't feeling well and didn't instantly get healed, you know, five seconds later because I just wasn't, didn't have strong faith. Or if I had financial hardship, the reason that I just wasn't blessed is because I wasn't giving enough. They really like to harp on that one. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't believing hard enough or good enough. And, and it, it was always about good enough. And man, it was exhausting. And I became so dissatisfied with it. And I thought, God is either real and true or maybe I'm believing something wrong because there was a turning point. And I'm not going to say that at this turning point that I all of a sudden had this big aha moment and my entire life changed. It didn't. It was more of a journey of discovery because I was pursuing God for who He was, not who I wanted Him to be. A lot of people really struggle with that. They only want to worship and follow and trust and believe in the God that they want Him to be. But what if Scripture gives you a different picture of God? What a scripture says, God actually operates a little differently than how you were told he operates, or the way that you would like for him to operate. Are you still going to trust him? Is he still good? Is he still worthy to be followed? I had to make that decision for myself, because I was wrestling between the God I was taught and the God of scripture. And I began to slowly but surely see truth. And I am not at a point in my life, at 35 years old, where I know everything and I see all the truth and I don't have anything, any error at all in some of my belief system. I'm sure there's still some things that God's going to continue to work on me through the rest of my life. Because just like the Apostle Paul said, he said, I see through a glass dimly. He said, I just see a little bit of this thing. I, I don't see everything. And even Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, did not claim to have all of the truth. So he understood this was a journey. He understood this was a journey of discovery. But the main thing that changed my thinking to walk away from a lot of those bad beliefs that I had in the past and to be able to cling tightly to the truth was when my youth pastor at that very church, mind you, <laughs> said this phrase. And it's always stuck with me. And it's always caused me to reevaluate what I believe and why I believe it without having to make excuses for God and to be able to trust Him. And it's this phrase, Always be willing to give up what you believe 
for the truth. Always be willing to give up what you believe for the truth. Some people have very passionate beliefs. Some people have very strong, convicted beliefs that will drive them to do some pretty crazy things. There are people over in the Middle East that believe very strongly that if they strap a bomb to their chest and cause a bunch of harm and loss of life, that they'll somehow be rewarded in the afterlife. They believe that very sincerely. But you can be very sincerely wrong. Amen, somebody? You can be very sincerely wrong. And it doesn't matter that someone's passionate. It doesn't matter that their words sound convincing and convicted and may come from the heart. That doesn't make it gospel and doesn't make it truth. They could be very sincerely wrong. So we have to evaluate based on the standard of truth. And we as Christians, as followers of Christ, believe that the Word of God is the standard of truth. Do we not? We believe that the Word of God is a standard of truth. So that may mean I've been taught something a certain way, but I have to compare it to the Word of God because that's the standard. That's the gold standard. Amen? I may have experienced some things or thought I experienced some things, but if it's contrary to the Word of God, I've got to compare it to the Word of God. I may have certain feelings. I may want God to be a certain way and do things a certain way and operate a certain way. And if you want to, you can go into the Scripture and you can begin to copy and paste and patch together a way and a formula to try to make God who you want Him to be. Or you can look at Scripture and you can chase after the heart of God, be willing to give up what you believe for the truth, and allow God to reveal Himself to you along this journey. And that was really where I got to in my life. At 18 years old, I decided that I was going to not make excuses for God anymore. <laughs> because some of my friends and people I would hang out with and we'd talk about Scripture or we'd talk about the Lord, they would present ideas. And I would present my ideas. And they would ask me questions about my ideas. And I would say, well, God used to do this, but now He does this. Or God doesn't do this this way anymore. He does it this way now. And I would have to patch and piece together all of these different excuses for God. And friends, let me tell you, it was exhausting to have to back up my belief by patching scriptures together and taking them way out of context to be able to justify the things that I believed. When I put sermons together, well, let me back up. When I first got into ministry and I would put sermons together, I would come up with an idea or a thought primarily based off of things I had been taught and grew up to believe were true. And then I would go hunt for scriptures to back up what I was going to teach. It's like I was going to teach a topic and go look for something to, you know, reemphasize and give me a leg to stand on, and I could find it, and I could put it together. And when I began to grow in understanding who God was, and God began to open my eyes, and I began to go on this journey of being willing to give up what I believe for the truth, then I began to prepare sermons a lot differently probably the time in my early 20s till this day, I have always prepared my sermons going through Scripture first and allowing God to lead me from Scripture, not ideas first, and then go to Scripture to back up your ideas. Always lead with Scripture, and you'll never go wrong. Who knew? <laughs> I had to figure that one out the hard way, and I am still growing, and I'm still seeing things. Even those of you who have been here at Word of Grace 
for almost the, 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 for the time that I've been here, which is coming up on six years. You know, I've grown tremendously even in that time, and I'll still continue to grow. And if I ever come across error or things that I believed, I'll tell you about it, and I'll tell you the truth. And you can, you can take that one to the bank because I'm on a hunt for truth because I'm passionate about the truth. And I cling tightly to the truth because there's so many things that want to pull me away from truth. And just like that experience that I shared with you about my uh, revelation of truth, Paul was trying to help Timothy see the same thing. So here you got Timothy, this young pastor, this guy who is pastoring this church in Ephesus, and there's people that grew up in Ephesus with a lot of bad beliefs. And it didn't just stop there with people who grew up with bad beliefs. There were still bad beliefs being taught by people who claimed to be Christians. People who said that you need salvation uh, through Christ and you need to trust in what he did on the cross, but you also need these things. That just gets the process started. And then we have to go through all of these other steps in order to really kind of solidify the deal before you can actually be a Christian. And then beyond that, there's these other requirements too. And those people were called Judaizers. And then there was another group called the Gnostics that were teaching there were these secret angelic spiritual levels, this deep stuff that you want to get into that we actually search these mysteries and uncover all of these deep secrets of God and these angelic levels of wisdom that nobody knows and they're not written anywhere in Scripture, but they're given to us by revelation. And we teach off of those things and they build off, off of these angelic secrets. And the higher up in that organization you are, the more spiritual and wise you are because you've uncovered so many angelic secrets. And the Bible talks about Gnosticism as well. So you've got those two that are a version of being a Christian. And Paul warned against them all throughout the Gospels. And here Paul is warning Timothy to cling tightly to the truth because there are still false teachers and there are people who are trying to distort the Gospel. You know, Paul didn't spend as much time trying to fight the, uh, the, all of the corruption of his day and all of the wickedness of his day, and there was a lot of wickedness to be fought. The mission that Paul was on was to try to get people to cling tightly to the truth because he knew that if people would cling tightly to the truth, that when the false stuff comes along, you'd go, no, I'm going to still cling tightly to the truth. I don't care if it's popular. I don't care if it's on the best-selling book rack. I'm going to cling tightly to the truth because I know the truth, and I'm on a quest and a pursuit of knowing the truth because I want to know God for who He is, and I'm willing to give up what I believe for the truth, even if it costs me my tradition, even if it costs me the things in my past, even if it costs me things that I want God to do and the way I think He should operate and be. I'm willing to give that up for the truth. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to co communicate to Timothy, to cling tightly to truth. Now, let's go ahead and go to Scripture now. 1 Timothy chapter 4, let's read verse 1 through 5. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage, who require abstinence from certain foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving for those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God and through prayer. Here Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy, listen, it's not a food issue. It's not a list of rules. It's not a 
you become a Christian and then all of a sudden you have to eat this certain way, you have to have a certain kind of diet, and then you have to also follow these certain kind of rules and have this long laundry list. Because if you ask most people who are not followers of Christ what they think about the Bible, what they think about Christianity, you'll probably get some answers that would be similar to something like, well, it's just a big book of rules or do's and don'ts, and that's their summary of being a Christian or their summary of Scripture. And that's not at all the summary of Scripture. Matter of fact, I heard a great, uh, a great quote that a gal said just a few weeks ago. Uh, she said that a lot of people think that the Bible is a book full of really good people that we read about the stories of their lives. And she said, no. She said, in fact, the Bible is a book full of really bad people and one good person. And that we're to look to see the character and the attributes of the one who's good and to follow him. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really good. That's really profound. Because it's not just a book full of do's and don'ts. It's not a book full of just all of these rules and all of these things that people want to try to make it to be because a lack of rules is not man's problem. Oh, hello, somebody. A lack of rules is not man's problem. A, a lack of, of the types of foods we should and should not eat is not man's problem. A lack of all of the things that we sometimes make Christianity about to try to squeeze people in to conform and be a certain way, that, that's not man's problem is a lack of rules, is a lack of do's and don'ts and a lack of order. Man's problem is not a lack of those things. Man's problem is a heart problem. We try to control the heart by tacking on all these rules. That's exactly what was happening in Paul's day. Same thing. People are trying to, uh, trying to fix the heart problem with all these rules and regulations, thinking they can somehow fix man if we just tell him what not to do and what he should do. That'll fix him. He just doesn't know. It. Folks, it's not a lack of information. It's a heart issue. It is a heart issue because here Paul says everything God made is good. So if God made all the good stuff, then the bad stuff comes from when we distort and pervert what God has made to be good. Think about it. Food, good. When food becomes bad is when we abuse it, right? Think about even some of the plants and things that make some of our modern medicines. Those things are good, created by God. But when we abuse them, they're bad. It's not that thing that's bad. It's the way man has distorted and perverted it. Think about sex in our culture. God created sex to be good. It's a good gift. But when we take that gift and we pervert it and distort it, that's not God's fault. That wasn't God's doing. That was the wickedness of man's heart that did that. Think about money. Money was given to be a tool. It's something that we use to, to exchange goods and to trade and all those things. And, and it could be a good tool and it's supposed to be a good tool. But when we pervert it, when we worship it, when we love it, then all of a sudden what happens is we distort something that God had provided that had blessed us with in order to live this life in a way that would bring him glory. You see, it's not a rules thing. It's not a discipline thing. It's a heart thing. And that's really what it comes down to. It's because of the heart. And when Christ engages us at the heart level, there is a freedom that we experience in Christ because the love of God, when it's shed abroad on our hearts 
And it begins to uh, just, just saturate our lives. And we begin to experience that love of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we understand that even though we're all wicked and we're all sinners, that we can now be freed, that we can be cleansed, that we can be forgiven, that we can be made new, that what was once dead, us, can now be alive, not because of us, but rather in spite of us, because of Jesus Christ and what he did. And when we get that, that's the message of the gospel, that pure message of the gospel. And that love saturates our heart. And you know what? Love brings true freedom. Love brings that freedom. It helps us to be free because now we have experienced his goodness. We have experienced his love. And now we truly can be free. And Paul talked over and over again about how free he is. He talked again how free that he is because of Christ. But yet he said, because I'm free, I'm not going to abuse my freedom so I can just go and sin and do whatever I want to do, because love won't let me do that. Because if I love my neighbor, then I'm going to serve them and care about them. Even though love has brought freedom, that love also now it becomes my guide. That love now becomes uh, that, that Holy Spirit on the inside of me that is leading and guiding me and directing my footsteps. It's not just a bunch of do's and don'ts. No, it's more of a heart direction that has been changed because of Jesus Christ. The direction now changes, so therefore the actions and the character that's being developed by the Spirit of God living on the inside of us begins to change the way we interact with people, the way we handle things, and we begin to be led by the Spirit of God at a heart level, not just a don't do this, do that head level. You tracking with me today? Let's keep on reading. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. He said, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of, of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. He's telling them, cling tightly to the truth. Keep following that good doctrine. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. See, folks, rules-oriented Christianity and ritual-oriented Christianity they both bring bondage. When I was in ritual and rule-oriented Christianity, it brought more bondage in my life because I was worried about being enough, and I was wondering when I was going to be enough. And it didn't bring freedom, but yet over and over again, I see in Scripture where he who the Son has set free is free indeed. I see over and over again in Scripture that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, over and over again in Scripture that the truth will set you free. But yet I felt more in bondage during those earlier years in my life because I was wondering when I was going to hit the mark. I was wondering when I was going to be good enough. See, I wasn't motivated by love. I was motivated by my own ambition to try to achieve what I thought I needed to achieve to get the approval I was seeking or the love I was seeking or the things that I was seeking from God as if God were some proverbial Santa Claus figure. And I began to chase after God for what He could give me, what He could do to me instead of just loving God because God so loved me. 
that he gave his only son and that I love him back. And that kind of love and that kind of relationship brings freedom. And instead of just trying to follow the rules, instead of just trying to follow the rituals, hold my mouth just right, stand just right, sit just right, pray just right. So many people are worried about doing everything just right. Man, I, people even sometimes when they're asked to pray, they'll be afraid to pray over a meal or something because they're afraid of not doing it right. Folks, listen, relationship is not about you holding your mouth just right and getting everything perfect. Amen? That is a good thing. That's a great thing because God loves you right where you're at. He wants you right where you're at. Oh, well, pastor, you don't really know me. It doesn't matter. You don't really know me either. But God does. God sees the innermost desires, the things that you can hide from me and the things I can hide from you. He sees through all of the masquerading. And he sees our true desire. He knows our true nature. And he still loves you. He still wants you. He's not waiting around the corner when you walk around it to smack you across the head. He wants to love you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you into right relationship with him. Not because you're so good, but because you're not so good. And Jesus was. And Jesus is. And continues to be our go-between, our Savior, our mediator that brings freedom, not bondage. Brings freedom, not bondage. And that's what Paul's trying to get through to Timothy. saying, listen, hold fast to the doctrine. Don't allow yourself to get sucked into this Gnosticism. Don't allow yourself to get sucked into this Judaizer teaching. Because it might sound good to your head because it starts to make sense. And you go, oh, well, maybe that's true. No, go back to Scripture. Go back to the gospel. Go back to what you've learned and cling tightly to the truth. When, when, you, when you want to try to manipulate and control circumstances and people, no, 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 go back to what God said. Don't fall into the temptation to try to abuse and misuse that for your own personal gain. No, go back to what God said and trust Him and let love navigate you, your, your, your decisions. Let love navigate the way you pastor, the way you lead. Because that love is going to bring true freedom, not only to you, but to those who are in your care. You see, if we would just focus on Jesus, oh man, (laughs) if we would just focus on Jesus and allow the love of God to guide our hearts, we could experience a freedom like never before. Instead of playing this game in church and in Christianity where we try to out-spiritual one another. We try to one-up one another, secretly, never out you know, loud, of course, in my mind, where we may try to out-spiritual one another, like, oh, well, hadn't seen them in a while. <laughs> I've been here every week. <laughs> they don't even have their Bible. I have 10 in my purse, <laughs> my backpack different versions. I like to compare the scriptures when pastor teaches of the different translations. I don't see them taking notes. Sinner! (laughs) And we'd never say that stuff. We laugh at that. But in our mind and in our hearts, we do those kind of judging things to people. It's not the goal to try to out-spiritual somebody. Amen? Every one of us, myself included, all of us together, we're on this journey We're on this journey of growing and understanding who God is. 
And the enemy would love to trip us up by getting caught up in trying to make everyone else be just like us if we were so great. Oh man, if they would just do what I do. Oh, if they just make the decisions I make. Really? Listen, we need to allow the truth of God and the Spirit of God together to lead us and guide us throughout our lives. And every one of us need to grow in that. And we need to encourage one another to grow in that instead of criticize one another. Amen? That's where freedom comes from. That's where you can go, oh man, I feel like my life is a mess. Oh, guess what? Everybody else's is too. Ah, because none of us are perfect. We all have our shortcomings. We all have things that tempt us. We all have things that, but that doesn't mean we want to stay there. We want to grow. We want to experience that freedom instead of it just be some lofty idea. But that's going to come through my heart being reoriented because the reason that I'm not doing the things I should do is because my heart's in the wrong place in that area. It's a heart issue, not a rules issue. You know, <laughs> you, you, you can... <laughs> Ask anybody, um, you know, what it takes to get in shape. And I guarantee you, some of the most out-of-shape people can tell you exactly what you need to do to get in shape. <laughs> Believe me, I know. I can tell you everything you need to know about what you need to do to get in shape. I can tell you how to eat, tell you how many grams of protein you need per body, uh, per pound. I can tell you all sorts of things. But yet, for me to change that... It's got to be a redirection of my heart, not a lack of information. We all take the same test if we drive, and we all know the rules of the road. But to be a good driver and to actually be a courteous driver takes more than just acquiring the knowledge of what you're supposed to know to get the license, right? You can be taught and trained how to treat people, and HR can come in and tell you how you're supposed to interact with others at work. Oh, it's very exciting, isn't it? <laughs> some of you just went through some HR training recently, didn't you? There were some policy changes at your work. I know, I heard. <laughs> if you see someone doing something that you don't like, that you think is offensive, just go tell HR, Mommy! <laughs> you go do that, and they try to tell you how you, should how, how you should behave. They try to tell you how you should treat each other. Why do we need someone telling us how to treat each other? Why is that even a thing? You think that information of how to treat someone is going to make you treat someone better? No. If you can discipline yourself to treat them that way, it's going to be because you don't want to get fired. But if you genuinely want to treat people with respect and love, it comes from the heart, not the head. You don't need more information as much as we need a heart reorientation, a heart change to be able to be directed in a way where I can love someone and folks no HR department and no training video could ever do it for you Jesus is the one who changes us at the heart level amen he's the one who changes us at the heart level and when we do it brings freedom to us oh my goodness it brings so much freedom you know who wasn't bothered by the recent HR videos the person that was already treating people good. You know who wasn't scared and worried for their job because of the videos? The person that was already loving their neighbor. The person who had already allowed God to work in their heart. Didn't bother them a bit. People that got upset about it are the ones who are now afraid <laughs> of the way they treat one another. That's just the truth. Godliness and character comes from loving God and loving people. It's a heart issue. 
It's not a lack of information. Let's keep on reading. Let's finish this chapter out. Verse 11 says, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift which you have been given uh, to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. You say, hold tight to it. Hold tight to the truth. Cling tightly to it. Persist in this, for by doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. You'll keep everybody from, from straying, and you'll keep yourself from straying. You cling tightly to that truth. You need to keep a cl- close watch on your teaching. And he said, don't let people despise you because of your youth. He's telling them, live out this truth. Live out truth through loving God, loving people, serving the world. Paul was telling Timothy, stay connected to what's most important and teach other people to do the same. Stay, stay connected to what's most important, what really matters, so you don't get swept away by these false teachers and these teachings of demons and, and all these deceitful spirits. And, you know, sometimes it's really apparent who's being that deceiver. We can turn on the TV and we can obviously tell sometimes when certain things come across the news about different religious cults and groups, we can go, oh, that's just really weird. That's just deception and that's wicked and that's evil. And we can, we can pick those out of the crowd oftentimes. And we don't understand how people get swept away and caught up in those things. But those aren't the ones that we as Christians have to worry about. It's the ones that will try to sway us away with tickling our, our ears, telling us what we want to hear, how we want God to be. And oh, I, Sounds, sounds pretty good. Or maybe even from our past tradition where things are familiar and you may come to the truth and the truth makes you a little uncomfortable because at first it's challenging what you've grown up believing. If anyone understands that experience, I understand it. I understand what you've been believing and what you perhaps have grown up in challenging you and making you feel uncomfortable. But are you going to allow your tradition to dictate your view of what truly is true? Or are you going to allow Scripture to dictate for you what you see is true? It's not an easy thing. It hurts. It it physically hurts. I lost some friends over the deal. I still have people that were a big part of my life that don't talk to me all that much because they know that I would not be afraid to teach a message like this, and they know what I'm talking about. And it bothers them that I don't believe certain ways that they believe, that I don't get caught up in certain conspiracies they get caught up in, that I don't get caught up in certain rituals that they get caught up in, and it bothers them to the point that they just don't want to be that close to me anymore, and they're probably questioning my salvation because I don't do the things maybe that I used to do. I don't believe the way I used to believe. I've changed, I've grown, and it's not because I'm following after some man's teaching. It's not because I'm following after some new tradition that I found. No, it's because I read the Bible, and I see what Scripture says and how what Scripture said didn't agree with some things that I was taught, and I had to make a decision. Am I willing to give up what I believe for the truth? Am I going to cling tightly to the truth? Am I going to still search for truth? Am I still going to compare my thoughts to Scripture and allow Scripture to trump my thoughts if my thoughts and Scripture don't line up? 
if my experiences in Scripture don't line up, if my traditions in Scripture don't line up. And I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing, and I, and I lose the why, and I lose the relationship, and I, and, and, and I don't want that. I don't want to go back there. And so Paul's saying, listen, man, keep loving God. Keep loving the people you're serving. Watch over your teaching. You're going to benefit those who you're teaching and yourself in the process and save you guys from being swept away. He said, and don't let other people despise you because you're youth. This has always been one of my favorite scriptures. Because I'm 35 and I'm coming up on my 18th year of being in full-time ministry. So you do the math. I've been doing this ever since I was right out of high school as a full-time job. And this is what I've done. This has been my calling. This is, I've been preaching since I was 15. And I became a youth pastor at a church at 18 years old. And I've always, always been a low man on the totem pole. I've always been the youngest guy in the room so far as on staff. I've always been also unqualified on paper to where I would be quickly dismissed because perhaps I didn't have certain degrees or I didn't have certain experience or education. But God continually kept opening doors for me that I just, to be honest with you, I wasn't ready for. <laughs> it's not because I'm awesome because if you hang out with me, you'll realize I'm a man and I'm flawed just like everyone else. And I, wasn't, I didn't get the doors open because I was awesome. I got the doors open because I was pursuing God, and God kept opening those doors for me and leading me where He wanted me to go. And, it, and, and if I understand this despising because of youth, man, everywhere I've been, I've been criticized because I was young. I mean, I got hired here at Word of Grace at 29. 29 years old, I got hired here to be the pastor. God led my, me and my family here. I mean, just you, I've been criticized my whole life because of my age. One day I won't be. <laughs> I realize that, and I'm probably getting there a lot sooner. <laughs> Pastor Keith looked at me the other day, and, uh, and, and we were talking about, you know, youth and being young and stuff like that. He said, he said Pastor Derek, he said, you just got to get over it. We're not the young guys anymore. <laughs> and I said, we're getting there, aren't we? He said, yeah, we are. Yesterday I was moving into my new house, and... Uh, and, and I was saying, man, I'm just running out of energy. And Pastor Keith told me, he said, that's just age that's catching up with you. And I'm like, man, yeah, yeah, Steve, I hear you. I hear you. I'm waiting. I know. And, and people that are older than me are, oh, just wait. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But at the same time, I've always been the younger guy when it comes to being in leadership. I've always been unqualified in that regard. I've always been the guy that somebody had to take a chance on. That's who I've always been. I've never been the guy who had this really impressive track record that you could look at and go, oh yeah, that's the guy we want. I've always been the guy that somebody had to roll the dice on a little bit. So that's very near and dear to my heart when people are, choose to be led by the Lord and open up the door and follow His leading and give opportunity to younger people and people that may not be as polished, perhaps, as some others and as experienced. And I'm grateful for that opportunity. I truly am. But at the same time, I've lived with this my whole life. <laughs> and Paul's saying, don't let people despise you because of your youth. And, and as I look at this in context, I think that what was going on, and this is just me guessing here, but I'm guessing that there were some people that were obviously older than Timothy that were criticizing Timothy. And they were criticizing him, if you look at it in context, 
probably because he wasn't holding to the traditions that they wanted to hold to. Because he was instead wanting to cling tightly to the truth, and Paul was telling him to stay clinging and holding tightly to the truth, and don't even let people who are older than you try to intimidate you to sway you from staying close and tight to the truth. Don't let that happen. And and, and let me tell you this, and I'm going to say this just, uh, just as clear as I can. There may be people in your life who are older than you who don't understand why perhaps you have left some of the traditions and teachings that you have because you have been growing in the Word of God and you have been seeing the truth and they are very confused and upset and they think you don't know what you're doing because you're younger than they are. Don't be disrespectful to those people. We're not supposed to be disrespectful to our elders by any stretch. But at the same time, we're not to allow the criticism of the generation before us to keep us from pursuing the truth. Amen? That may mean that you have to abandon certain traditions that have become more worshipped than God. Oh, That may mean that you get uncomfortable. That may mean that certain people may be upset with you. But do you want the truth? Or do you want the things that you were told were truth? You know, I I look back on that little church that I grew up in. It's actually closed now. And I drove by it last time I was down in Arkansas. and (laughs) Weeds growing up everywhere. There's nobody even in it. It's really sad. It's a huge auditorium. Seats 2,000 people. Big, empty, just empty shell. And I remember being in that church, and I, I wish those people had seen the truth. And as I look back and I think about all of that, I think, man, how many, how many times did, did I want these people to see the truth, but they, they didn't see it? And my heart broke for that. But at the same time, I, I was tempted at different stages in my Christian leadership to go back to that, even though I had already seen the truth. I was tempted to go back. You want to know why? Because it was comfortable. You want to know why? Because it was easy. Because I knew how to teach that way. And I knew how to, how to do church that way. And it's so comfortable and it's so easy. And, and the things that we're embarking on, even as word of grace, and the things that God's leading me just as a Christian man into, some of those things are very uncomfortable for me. Because it challenges some of those things in the past in me. And as it's challenging me, there's been times throughout my 18-year ministry career where I look back and I'll go, man, and me and my wife will even have this conversation where we'll say, man, wasn't it so much easier back when we just did church this way? And she'd say, yeah, but you know, because of what God has shown us in his word, that that's not right. And oh, man, but it would be so easy. It would be so easy. It would be so comfortable. But yet I know that that's just a temptation because if you ever went back to some of those things, you would be so torn and conflicted and dissatisfied. You'd be in a greater degree of bondage than you were before. Because once you've tasted freedom, once you've experienced freedom, once you've seen the truth, man, there ain't no no going back. You can try to go back. You can try to play the game. But I would tell you just like the Apostle Paul told us in Scripture where he said to fight the good fight. Amen? The good fight. Fight the good fight. 
continue to press towards the mark. Continue to press. Continue to seek God because He'll be found by those who seek Him when we seek Him with all of our heart. Amen? Let's genuinely, diligently, truthfully seek God for who He is and continue to grow in Scripture. Grow in that love of God. Let that love of God abound in your heart. It's going to change the things you do. It's going to change why you do what you do. It's going to change the way you treat other people, the way you forgive people, the way you love people, the way you care for people. It's going to give you that patience. It's going to give you that, that, that love, not, not just zipped lip tolerance, but rather love and compassion for people who are struggling rather than just tolerating people who have certain habits or issues or addictions. You, you actually love and have compassion. If you let the love of God continue to grow in your heart, and the only way to let lo- the love of God grow continually in your heart is to, ra- to surround yourself with who He is. That means in Scripture, surround yourself with who God is. That means at church and fellowship with other believers, surround yourself with the people who have also received the love of God. So you're in that environment where you're, you're, you're surrounded by those who are loving God and spending time with Him. When you have your daily commute, that you're talking to God, that you're, that you're just thinking on Him, that you're growing in understanding His love for you. And as you receive that love of God, and as you understand the gospel and how free we are because of Christ and how He gave us His love through His Son, and you begin to be so full of that love and that mercy and that compassion, and then you can give it to other people and show them how good God is through you because of how good you realize He's been to you. Amen? And then our lives begin to glorify God. Our lives begin to glorify God and people begin to see less of us and more of Him. They begin to see less of Derek and they begin to see more of the love of God flowing through Derek. They begin to see less of each one of us and they begin to see more of the love of God. And it is attractive to people. It's not just come and learn more rules, come and learn more rituals. Come and learn how to do it and how to have 10 more steps and 15 more steps and 20 more steps. Instead, it becomes about a relationship. And it becomes about loving God for who He is because He's loved you right where you're at. And that love just changes and transforms us from the inside out. Changes our value system, changes our priorities because we're pressing into God. And then along the way, we also learn things that God wants us to do and things that God gives us instruction for because there are instructions there. There are are clear boundaries and guidelines and things that God gives us in life, but yet those things don't become the struggle they once were. Instead of looking at it as something that is just controlling us, instead we want to serve God and we want to please Him. And out of that kind of heart, we go, yes, Lord, help me to learn your ways. Help me to learn the things you want me to do. Help me to learn the things that would best glorify you and the best practices in this life that I can apply to be able to bring you glory and to, to, to live this life in a way that would be lived for you. Now all of a sudden, the heart's different in it. You begin to look at Scripture and you begin to look at those different things in Scripture that we may call rules and you look at them from the vantage point of just serving God and loving God more, not as a pathway to receive the love of God. Instead, you look at those things as a response to loving God. Going to church doesn't become your pathway to salvation. You come to church and fellowship with other believers because of what God has done in your heart and because you want to serve Him. You begin to... to, to, to forgive not just because scripture says to forgive but because now you've received that love of God in your heart and now you want to freely give what you freely received and it's a response to the love of God 
So Paul's telling Timothy, keep setting the example. Keep pursuing Christ. Don't stop because someone criticizes you or tries to intimidate you. Keep maximizing your gifts. He said, you remember the gift of God that's on the inside of you when the elders laid hands on you. He said, use that gift that God has given you. Stir that gift up. Immerse yourself in Christ. And no matter what happens or what comes your way, cling tightly to the truth. Amen? Because it is the truth that sets us free. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.